Go. Streaming from South Africa to the world. To the world. This is the Stonks Go Moon podcast. What just happened? We break it down so you don't have to. Welcome everyone to Stonks Go Moon podcast. My guest today, very special guest as always, Seppo Makakhani, who's an investment banker, who is trying to redefine African capital. Seppo, how are you? Uh, thank you very much for having me, Rocco. Very good to be here. What a time to be in finance. We just had the Pandora papers leaking. We had the Facebook outage. Um, so much to talk about. But what I want to f- focus on with you today is ESG investing, which is like this big buzzword in finance. Um, if you can unpack that word for like the novice, let's say you're a three-year-old on a, you know, on a toddler level, what is ESG investing? And maybe go into the pros and cons of it. I mean, uh, thank you very much, Roko. Uh, I think ESG investing for me is really when you are investing, whatever you do, how does it impact the world? And you make your decisions around that, you know? And I do not class uh, what you tend to see nowadays with all the Harvard Endowment Funds, uh, the Norwegian oil fund, whereby they're disinvesting from oil and gas, coal, fossil. I do not class that as ESG investing. ESG investing is you putting money into solutions and supporting um, how, how we actually live as people, you know, from the environmental, from a social, from a governance perspective. Uh, is it a good idea? Obviously, it is a good idea. I love this line, Roku, from most of my geo friends who normally say, <laughs> they normally say, we cannot destroy Earth, but we can make it uninhabitable for human beings. Yeah. I think if everyone wants to sort of take that perspective, it really changes how you view, how you consume, how you live your life. You know, um, and the bad parts about it, it is a good idea, but just like B in South Africa, it's a fantastic idea, but it has been hijacked by what I could, how do I term it, vested interest, when you have very opportunistic people as well, who are coming in, you know, you see these mega funds, with these ETFs. Well. Uh, I mean, they have so much money and they're just trying to using it as a marketing gimmick. That's not ESG for me, not one bit. Before we move on, you said something interesting about the Norwegian oil fund. They are too many people considered to be the smartest people in the room. That's debatable. Um, where do you see them going? I mean, the Norwegians is quite strange. I mean, they have, you are right, they're incredibly smart. Yeah. But at the very base of it, it's very hypocritical. You've generated all this trillion from fossil yeah. fuels. You continue to generate that money from fossil fuels. But you are saying to everyone else, you cannot use fossil fuels. And they're smart people. So I expect better from them. I really expect better from them. If you look at where does oil come from? Oil comes from Russia. It comes from Saudi Arabia. It comes from Nigeria. These guys need that money. So you can't just tell them, you know what? You have to stop producing the oil. You know, for for people that are smart, I'm really worried that they take their stance. Interesting. There's a lot of retail investors coming online now. They're sort of graduating from, they dip their toe in the water. They want to know more from the professionals. People come from, like people from you, coming from the institutions, from um, the, the, the GSs and the Morgan Stanleys and the whatever, um, turning to Reddit, and trying to go to Discord and YouTube videos where you're not going to find this type of information. They, they hear the term is ESG and they want to get involved, but how do you sort of tell a retail investor, you know, um, where to look and, and maybe like what to go, what to go for. 
And for me, it's very simple. What do we need? What do we need to make that transition? We need a specific number of metals. I think the key for me for retail investors, especially when you come to South Africa, it will be mining, it will be copper, it will be vanadium. Let me start with copper. Yes. There's just not enough copper out there. There's just not enough copper out there. You know, the UK talks about moving to all electric by 2030. All electric by 2030 means that you need another Chile. Yeah. You need another Chile. That's just impossible. And some of the news that we are seeing, I mean, BHP, Billiton, since I started doing banking, they have never looked at Africa. If they had a little bit of exposure, they sold it. They, that's just BHP Belton. Yeah, they they never could I mean, get. That's what traders do. I mean, yeah. generalize, but, but I mean, around those guys as well. They just that's what that's a trader mentality. Yeah. But amazingly now, they are they have changed that mentality whereby they're saying Unity. there is no copper out there. Let's look at Africa. Let's look at the DLC. The DLC for a, a dual listed Australia and UK company looking at DLC. That is a big thing. What does it tell me? They they have incredible resources to understand all the geology out there in the world. Yeah. There is no copper out there. Yeah. The grades are falling. The replacement costs are going up. I mean, you look at Las Bambas. Las Bambas used to belong to Extractor. When Extractor was being taken over by Glencore, the Chinese made a condition precedent whereby Las Bambas was to be sold to a Chinese entity for them to approve the measure. Yeah. And the replacement cost for that was 22,000 US dollars per ton. Okay. That's a lot. That is double the current price. Mm -hmm. Then you look at South American low-grade oil. Low-grade oil, is, it will come in at about something like 50, 55,000 US dollars per ton. That's five times the current price. So for retail investors, if you're looking at it, take a five, 10-year view. Oh, find all those copper players, independent copper players. Find those diversified miners who have a lot of copper, you know, uh, and just put your money in there. And when it comes to other metals such as vanadium, look at long energy storage. There's a good story that I see unfolding in South Africa in Bushfell Minerals. Yeah. It is a subsidiary called Bushfell Energy. Yeah. Uh, these guys are, you know, they are not playing the long, long energy generation yeah. play, yeah. but they have the vanadium assets. Yeah. One thing about them, you, one, you know that the technology has been proven. It has been deployed out there. But on the mining side, they had a Ryan Mine Finance come in and give them cash to actually develop the mine. So on, from a DD perspective, someone like Orion Mark Finance, which was spun out of red kind, and this Michael Flammer. Very good advice, because looking at the UK petrol pumps now and seeing the queues on the energy, there's definitely a shift happening. And that brings me to my other point, uh, which I feel is something that's being overlooked. Um, it's this major renewable news that came, I, came out of the Moroccan UK power project where Basically, it's this company called X-Links. They are building this massive facility in Morocco and putting it underneath, uh, well, underneath uh, sea cables. And they're talking about something like 10.5 uh, gigawatts being like uh, produced from wind and solar, and then 3.6 gigawatts going to the UK. I mean, that's significant. That's like 8 to 10% of their total consumption. That to me is really interesting because now you're touching on ESG, you're touching on decarbonization, you are touching on what is perceived to be green energy, something that could be easily be tokenized, maybe through you know other countries. I'm, I'm assuming you saw what I saw. What is your feelings here in, in terms of, uh, maybe let's first go into the sort of what it is 
and then the finance side separately? Yeah, I mean, what these guys are trying to do is put this cable down that will go on all the way to Europe, you know. Um, this has been going on for quite some time, originating and lending in different countries, but not all the way to the UK. Yeah. I mean, it seems quite a really ambitious project, bearing in mind the limited power generation that will feed into this cable and justify the cost. But what, let's come to the cost. That's where the problem is. But I'm looking at compar comparable renewable projects. I mean, the capital intensity will be something like 0 0.4 billion per gigawatt. <laughs> this guys will be coming in at 2.2 billion per gigawatt. That's a lot. And a lot of this money is going to go into the cable. So do, do you really need to be doing that? I mean, these are the challenges that we need to speak about. You know, is, is it really necessary to spend that amount of money just putting a cable down from Africa all the way to the UK? Yeah. when Africa is actually lacking in electricity. So yes, we need to solve these problems, but we must not forget about the transition risk and energy justice as well. You know, to take all this money, it's a lot of money, Marco, 22 yeah. billion. Yeah. I mean, you can solve so but, but because, but, but for me, it fits a narrative. It's a good story, like 1,400 job opportunities in Libya, um, alone with Brexit, whatever, but now you're taking billions. And I'm like, there's an easier way to create jobs here, right? But it is definitely that, you know, there's an easier way to actually take that cash and actually solve the energy crisis in Africa, you know, solve that. And I think when we start to do those grand projects, that's when, we are, that's when we're really going to mess up, you know, do things, try and localize them. You know, you can have regional energy grids and so forth, but do those type of things whereby you can actually get the financing. This, I do not see how they're going to get the 22 billion. You know, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, we'll still be talking about it. They would have spent 5 billion on it instead of spending that 5 billion solving so much energy crisis in North and West Africa. You know, so I think we have to be, we have to be really careful when we think about these things in terms of what are we trying to achieve? Is it possible? Are we wasting resources? Yeah, before I let you go on that point, um, what would be an alternative to this project? Just off the cuff. I think the, I think the alternative to this project would be localized projects. It will be regional power grids, you know, whereby you can actually find, you know, you can do 100, 100, 100 megawatts. You don't need to be doing gigawatts. 100 megawatts, it supports this particular region. You know, you have a pool of electricity in a particular region. You have a tradable market. You know, that's how you solve these things. You know, something like 100 megawatts, you can do it for 15 million US dollars. Yes. You know, you don't need to be talking about billions. So we need to be thinking about, it's scaling down these things, you know, trying to do the projects that are easy to execute. But the media loves sexy numbers, right? 10 gigawatts is much sexier than 100 <laughs> megawatts. <laughs> 10, 10 gigawatts, 22 billion. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> Lepo, thank you guys so much for joining us today. Um, if the people want to connect with you, um, where can they do that? And what are you busy with? I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm normally on LinkedIn, but, you know, you want to connect with me, my email is quite easy. It's just sepo, M-A-G, at hotmail.com. I mean, what we are busy with, if you are thinking about renewables, especially on the mining side, yes. if you have the right project and the right commodity, yes. you know, we have solutions for you. You know, yes. I speak to a lot of funds, and when, when it comes to this type of renewable space, you're looking at financing. Let's have a chat. Yeah. I will put those links in the comments. Ladies and gentlemen, Rockstar Investment Banker, Sefa Makhane. To our listeners, peace, love, and prosperity, and we'll catch you in the next one.